Good morning, Crestview family. Welcome to Crestview Baptist Church this morning. So glad to, that you chose to, to worship with us this morning. Uh, I'm especially glad to see you. If you are a guest or a visitor with us for the first time, we'd love to get to know a little bit more about you. There are some cards in the pews. If you could fill one of those out and drop it in the offering plate just so we get to know a little bit more about you. Um, not a whole lot of announcements going on this week. Um, Miss Sandra needs to meet with the senior adults right after the service today. I guess just right up front, just find her. She'll be up this way. And um, not sure what that's about, but you stick around and find out. Don't forget about our, our uh, breakfast coming up. Uh, this coming Saturday, it's first Saturday of the month, sneaking up on us. And uh, don't forget about our Wednesday night services. We have our adult services in here at 6.30 and our youth and ch children's services in the building at 6.30. Uh, invite your neighbors, invite your friends, uh, and I look forward to seeing you. I don't think I have any more announcements. Miss Joy got anything? Miss Joy, well, she's on a streak. She ain't had nothing in a few weeks figure out what's going on with her all right but uh if nothing else i just invite you to let's turn our hearts to the lord and focus on him this morning as i turn it over to preacher already for our prayer you know chad uses props a lot in his children's sermon and we had something laying up here and i said is that yours he says no, it's not mine. <laughs> so we had a little duster up here. Oh, he's got, see, he's got props. He just, his is just with him. So, but it is good to see everybody here this morning. Thank you for coming. Um, I do have one quick uh, thing I was just informed. Did you say Wednesday morning? Rick Stowe is having surgery Wednesday morning to remove his kidney. So please pray for him. Um, also, play, pray for Whitey. You, everybody knows that um, he is scheduled for shoulder surgery um, in February. And he is in severe pain. He, any kind of movement or anything. But not only that, he's been sick and he has double pneumonia right now. So if Sandra walks around like she is in la-la land, it's because she's operating on very little sleep. Um, when Whitey coughs, it hurts his shoulder. Um, so just pray for him right now. He definitely needs intervention. And pray for Sandra that she will get some rest as well. Um, she is here somewhere. She may have fallen asleep coming down the hallway, um, but pray for Sandra as well. And at this time, if you would please join me in prayer as we begin our time of worship together. Our blessed Heavenly Father, we come before you, humbly bowing before your throne. Dear Lord, there is so many things going on between people that are going through cancer treatments. We have people that are facing surgery, people that are recovering from surgery, people that are sick. Dear Lord, we have people that are struggling with spiritual issues. We have people that are struggling with physical issues, emotional issues. But dear Lord, even though our life is full of turmoil and ups and downs. We know that we are anchored to the solid rock. And dear Lord, we thank you for being there for us. We thank you for you being constant in our lives. We thank you for your love. Dear Lord, we thank you for the courage and the strength that we get through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we thank you for the peace that you provide us, dear Lord. Dear Lord, as we enter into this time of worship, dear Lord, I ask that you speak to us, that your spirit moves among us, 
that you open our hearts, you open our ears, dear Lord, that you change our lives. Dear Lord, if we came here today to just be seen, dear Lord, we could go home right now. But we came here today to worship you, to experience you. And dear Lord, I ask that you just show up and show out this morning. We ask all of this in your holy and precious name. Because you, Lord, are worthy of our worship and praise. And it's in the holy and precious name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, we pray. Amen. Would you stand as we sing our call to worship number two, holy, holy, holy. And we'll sing the first and the last verses, page two. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, what a blessing it is to give back to you. You have blessed us beyond our knowledge. So I pray that you'll take this gift, use it, bless it, so that we can further your name and bless the giver. For it is your name that we pray. Amen. Would you stand again as we sing our hymn of praise, number 447. We'll sing verses 1 and 2, Trust and Obey.
morning. All right, guys, how's it going? Everybody having a good morning? Yes. All right, I got a question. We're going to look more at these when we get out to the when we get out to the building, but don't open these. I want you to look at these. One of these is filled with salt, and one of these is filled with sugar. I want you to pass them around here. Pass them around and see if you can figure out which one's which, and we're going to talk about in a little bit. Well, sugar, um, sugar is sweet. It's right. It's good to the taste. You could put your finger in it, and it tastes nice and sweet. And salt, it's, like it's kind of sour. It's kind of hard. To, like sugar's okay by itself. And like salt's kind of kind of rough by itself, right? But did you know that even though you can, exactly, that's well, you gonna get ahead of me, Thomas. And so even though we like sugar, even though we like the way sugar tastes by itself, did you know salt has more benefits than sugar does? Did you know that? Salt does a few things. Salt enhances flavor. It has healing properties. Did you know that? Like if you put salt on a on a cut. It can start to make it feel better, and um, we can use, huh? I mean, not feel better, but it starts to make it heal. Excuse me. I meant not feel better. After it stings at first, it will start to it will start to heal faster. Um, Cause you guys ever been in the ocean and had like maybe a cut on your like a scrape on your knee and get out in the ocean and it's just it just it might burn when you first get in there, but then. When it, like when you get out, you'll notice like, hey, that's looking better already. And it can be used to preserve foods and make foods taste better. And so even though we like the way sugar tastes, salt is better in the long run. All right, so sometimes when it comes to God, things are the same way. Did you know that? We, we go out into this world and we look for what tastes the best. We look for the sweetness we look for the easy stuff. But sometimes, to get to God, we have to go through trials and we have to go through tough times to, to just serve God and be where he wants us to be. And we're going to learn about that in a little bit. We're going to learn a story about Paul, about how Paul goes to prison. Does that sound like fun to anybody? Doesn't sound like fun to me. Doesn't sound, doesn't sound like fun at all. But... Anyway, God used Paul's time in prison to serve him. And so it was, over time, it was better, right? I'm going to share a Bible verse with you. And then when we get out there, we're going to read a couple more Bible verses. Listen to this. This is Romans 8, 28. It says, And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his promises. So sometimes in life, it may feel like you're going through a really tough time. But you may be going through that tough time to get where God needs you to be. So what I want to give you encouragement to do is when maybe when things seem tough, maybe you're having a hard time at school or maybe you're having some hard times at home, whatever it may be, trust God, keep your head up, and know that all things, God's in control of all things. And if we trust him, it may take time. But in the end, things will work out the way God wants it to. All right? Let's bow our heads, and we go outside, and we're going to learn about Paul's trip to prison. God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for these boys and girls. Thank you for the wonderful, sweet things that we can have in life, Lord. But also, Lord, thank you for the times that seem salty and seem like they may be bad at the moment. Because, God, we know you're in control. And we know you take care of all things. Help us to put our trust in you through everything. All this I ask in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Therefore, you 
Thank you, choir. We are going to continue our uh, sermon series on the seven letters to his church. And we're going to pick up the next church today, the church of Smyrna. And this is in uh, Revelation chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. This is a very short letter to this church. It's only four verses. But there is a lot in understanding exactly what these four verses mean and what he is saying to his church there in Smyrna. So if you would turn to Revelation chapter 2, verses 8 through 11, and if you would stand as I read God's Word. And again, as I mentioned last week, in my Bible, this 
is in red. Which means that this is Jesus speaking. So this is what it says here. We see in John's recording of his revelation, it says this. It says, And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, the first and the last, who was dead and has come to life, says this, I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich, and the blasphemy by those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to cast some of you into prison that you may be tested and you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. Let's pray. Lord, thank You for what we see John recording here in his revelation. Thank You for what You said to the church of Smyrna. And thank You for what You say to us. Bless the reading of Your Word. Speak through me today. And it's in the holy and precious name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So you will see in in all seven of these letters that Jesus starts off by saying something, revealing something about Himself to each one of these churches. So Jesus describes Himself to His church here in verse 8. He says, And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, the first and the last, who was dead and has come to life, says this. He wants the church to know that this is Him speaking. This is Jesus Christ, their Savior, sharing this. And the first thing that He says here is, is, and the first and the last. First off, this shows Jesus' eternal character. His eternal character. He was the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. The first and the last. This title, the first and the last, is a title only to the Lord. Yahweh. You remember that as Jesus was ministering here on the earth, that He would make these statements. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the bread of heaven. I am the everlasting water. You remember when he made these statements, every time he made one of these statements, the Jews came unglued. They got upset. Why? Why would they get so upset about this? It's because Jesus was making claim to be God. Remember what God said to Moses from the burning bush. Moses said, well, what do I tell them if they say, who sent me? What's your name? And what did God say His name was? I am. I am. Not I was. Not I'm going to be. I am. God, in in the first letter, He says the same that is yesterday, today, and tomorrow. In In the first letter. But here, in Isaiah 44, verse 6, we see, Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and His Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first, and I am the last. And there is no God besides Me. So that's what Jesus is wanting this church to Smyrna to know, is that He is God. And He is not changing. And He will be there. He was there before, and He will be there at the end. 
Nothing is going to change that. He wanted the church to know His eternal character. And then He says, who was dead and has come to life. This church needed to know that Jesus was victorious over death. And what we have to realize is this, is that the way He introduces Himself to each church, Jesus reveals, each one of these letters reveals something about Himself in a way that is specific to the needs of His church. And you may say, well, wait a second. We know everything there is to know about Jesus. No, we don't. One of the Gospels even tells us that there is so much more to know about Jesus that is not written down. The Holy Spirit reveals more and more of His character. The more and more we come to know Jesus Christ, the more and more that we grow in Him, and the more we study Scripture, and the more we time we spend in prayer, and the, the more mature we become, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, more and more is revealed about Him. And Jesus has a way, just like He did with His disciples when He was walking this earth. He has a way of revealing to us exactly what we need to know exactly at the right time. And in each one of these letters, Jesus reveals something about Himself that is pertinent that that church needed to know right then at that point. And church, we need to know, even today, that Jesus is the first and the last. And that Jesus is victorious over death. Because if we don't understand that, we cannot do what He's calling us to do. And again, Jesus knows about His church. He doesn't have to be told. He knows. Verse 9, I know your tribulation and your poverty. I believe the King James Version also says your works. But you are rich. And the blasphemy by those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Look at this first thing, this first phrase, I know. You know, when we're going through things, when we're facing afflictions, and we're right in the middle of these problems that life throws at us, it is very easy for us to fall in the trap of Satan and say that God has forgotten about us. It is easy to think that God has forgotten about us. But here is the thing that we need to know, and this is what Jesus is telling this church right now. Jesus knows. You think about what it says in the Gospels that if He knows when a sparrow falls from its nest, how much more does He care about us? You think about this. If He knows when a bird honestly, now please forgive understand what I'm saying when I, when I say this. I love animals. But a bird, a sparrow, you can't go to Walmart without having sparrows all over the parking lot. There are so many sparrows. If He cares about one of those, Jesus died for us. 
How much more does He care about us? He didn't die and give up His life to provide eternal sanctification and eternal life and forgiveness of sins for a sparrow. But He did for us. And trust me, I understand. I know that it becomes so easy to think that you're in it by yourself. You remember when Elijah, he, called, he prayed down the fire from heaven that consumed the rocks, the water, the wood, the sacrifice, and then slay, had the people slay all of the prophets of Baal. And then he began to pray and prayed until it began to rain. And he outran the chariot. And then he went and hid in a cave because he thought that he had been forgotten. But who showed up and met him exactly where he was? God met him where he was. And he didn't come in an earthquake. He didn't come in the wind. He came as a still, small Jesus knows. And we have to remember that. And He wanted this church to remember. Why was it so important that this church understood that Jesus knew? Well, it says that He knew your works, your tribulations, and your poverty. Well, let's look at this. Your works. What was going on in the church? It doesn't tell us. It doesn't tell us the tribulations and the poverty that they were facing. But here's what we have to understand is this, is that when Jesus says, I know your works, we need to understand something about the city of Smyrna. The city of Smyrna was a big city. The first temple to Dia Roma. This is the goddess of Rome was built in this city. This city was chosen out of ten or seven possible cities to build this, this temple. And they built it here in, in Smyrna. What is that? It was actually a temple where they worshipped the spirit of Rome. But it didn't stay that way. It wasn't just the spirit of Rome. It began, from there it went to the worship of past emperors of Rome that had died. That they worshipped dead emperors. And then it didn't take long from worshipping the spirit of Rome to worshipping the dead emperors that they set up the emperor as God. In fact, the, the same Roman emperor that sent John to exile to the Isle of Patmos also was the first that demanded to be called Lord and worshipped as Lord. Now this... what this entailed, because by the time of the writing of this revelation of John, Roman, the emperor, the worship of the emperor had, had changed over from something that was nice that, that, that they were asked to do to something that they were compelled to do. It became compulsory. And it was an evidence of the allegiance and civic pride. So what they needed to do what they wanted to do. What they wanted everybody to do is that once a year, you would have to take some incense and you would burn the incense and declare the emperor as Lord, worshiping the Godhead of Caesar. And when you did that, you were giving a certificate 
stating that you had fulfilled your religious duty. And it didn't matter what you did the rest of the year. But you literally had to once a year bend your knee, burn, burn some incense, and declare Caesar as Lord. The Christians in Smyrna remained faithful to Jesus Christ as their Savior and refused to bend a knee and call Caesar Lord. They refused. That was their work. They stayed faithful in the face of this. What it sort of reminds you of what happened in Daniel chapter 3. We just finished Daniel chapter 3 on Wednesday night. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were told to bend a knee and worship, call the image of Nebuchadnezzar Lord. And they refused. And when they remained faithful, then ensued the tribulation. What they had to deal with. So your tribulation, what did, what did they have to deal with? His church suffered physical, social, and financial persecution. We think that our current council coach culture is something new. No. That's what these Christians had to deal with. When they refused to worship Caesar, they were then persecuted. They were outcast socially. They, could, they were fired from jobs. They were robbed on a daily basis. They had everything taken from them. But they were persecuted because of their faith and their commitment to the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Now it says, I know your poverty. Christians in Smyrna knew poverty because they were robbed and fired from jobs in a persecution of the Gospel. This word that is translated poverty means abject poverty. His church was the poorest of the poor. And they had absolutely nothing of material value. They weren't just poor. They were dirt poor. They had nothing. Because this culture, this society, they canceled them because of their stand for Jesus Christ. What happened to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they refused to bow the knee? They got thrown in the fiery furnace. And not just a fiery furnace, it was heated up seven times more hot than normal. And the strong men that, that threw them in the furnace before they even got to the fire, they dropped dead because of the heat. But Jesus said, not today. And as I shared Wednesday night in the Septuagint, which is the, the Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible, it actually talks about how they were singing in the fire. And as Nebuchadnezzar turned to walk away thinking that everything was done, he froze in his tracks because he heard singing coming from the furnace. And he turns around and peeks in. And he goes, come here for a second. 
didn't we just throw three guys in that furnace? And he said, yep. He says, well, there's four in there. And they're walking around loose. And the fourth one looks like the Son of God. Now, Nebuchadnezzar had no idea who the Son of God was. He didn't know anything about it. And Nebuchadnezzar called them out. He said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, come on out. And they came walking out. The only thing the fire touched were the ropes that bound them. That fire burned around, burned away what was binding them, what was keeping them held. Their clothes was not burned. Their hair was not singed. And Scripture says that they didn't even smell like fire. I can't go out to my grill without coming back in the house smelling like smoke. But that didn't happen to them. But I want you to understand something. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they told King, he says, the God we serve is able to save us from this fire. But, even if He doesn't, we are not bending the knee. That is what this church was dealing with. But He says, Jesus says, I know your poverty, but you are rich. This was spiritually rich. They were spiritually rich. The circumstances does not determine our value. We have to understand that. Our value is in belonging to Jesus Christ. Our value is that we are children of Almighty God. And we are priceless. So spiritually rich. And here is something that we have to understand is that our estimation of ourselves is far less important than God's estimation of us. How God sees us is so much more important how we see ourselves or see other people. Because we are going to die. And our opinions compared to the opinions of God are worthless. Here's another way they were rich, and this is not in the notes, but they were rich in godly leadership. You see, the pastor of this church in Smyrna was a gentleman by the name of Polycarp. And that's a funny name. Polycarp. Polycarp was so held to his convictions that it's recorded in an early history of the church is that uh, he led this church as their pastor and that he was so convicted in preaching the gospel that he refused to bend the knee and he had a death warrant issued for him. And for all those that refused to bend the knee, they, they were taken to the Colosseum there and, and they were placed in there and they were the Christians being eaten by lions for the entertainment of everyone else. So the church urged Polycarp to go into hiding. And so he did. And this we're talking about an old man by this time that was in his 70s or 80s. And he was in hiding. And he was found. And they arrested him. And the soldiers that were arrested him could not believe that this man that they saw as being so dangerous was this frail little old man. 
And as they were going back, Polycarp knew that he was going back and he was going to be burnt to death. By the time they got to the Colosseum, the lions had already been put away. And so they built a fire and they started to burn him. And Polycarp began to pray saying, thank you for finding me worthy enough to die for your name. And it is written that as he was sitting there and they were burning him, that the flames rose up, but they did not touch Polycarp as he continued to pray. And the executioner was so angry that he drove a spear through his heart to kill this old man. And what he said is that I have served my Savior for this many years and I do not see me giving up on Him now. That is leadership. And this church of Smyrna was rich with that type of leadership. So what does Jesus want His church to do? Look at verse 10. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to cast some of you into prison so that you will be tested and you will have tribulation for ten days. Be faithful into death and I will give you the crown of life. The first thing that He tells them, He wants them to do, is do not fear. The better translation for this is stop being afraid. We have to understand something. Sometimes we look at these great saints of old and we look at what they faced and we think they did it with no fear. Listen. There is an element of fear. But we have to recognize that the fear is not from God. Courage has been described as doing what needs to be done even when you're afraid. Jesus is telling His church, stop being afraid. He wanted His church to be prepared for the task ahead. He did the same thing in Joshua 1.9. Have I not commanded you? This is God talking to Joshua after the death of Moses. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That is what Jesus wants His church to do. And then look at what else it says. The devil. Jesus wants His church to know who is attacking them. Who is trying to undermine the work of God by placing fear in their lives? Who is throwing all of this at them? It is Satan, the devil. Look at what 1 Peter 5.8 says. Be of sober spirit. Be on alert. Your adversary, who? The devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Think about that. Here, Peter describes Satan as a roaring lion, just roaming around, looking for someone not just to kill, but to devour. You look at me. I have devoured several meals in my lifetime. And I grew up in a, in, a, in a a culture that I was told things like, 
Well, you know there's starving children in, in, in Asia or there's starving ch- children in China or Africa. Anybody else remember being told that as a child to get you to eat? And, and what did your mom want you to do? Eat everything on your plate. Well, I am a proud member of the Empty Plate Club from long ago. And so I learned to devour everything in on my plate. That is the picture that Peter is giving us of the devil, of Satan, our adversary, our enemy. Is that, that he is not just looking to harm us. He is literally looking to devour us. Nothing left. Total destruction. And here Jesus is wanting His church to know that all this that is about to come your way, all that has been coming your way is from the same person. It is from the devil. And then, He gives encouragement and a promise. Jesus does not have to rebuke this church. He does not rebuke His church. He has not one word of rebuke for His church here in Smyrna. But He gives encouragement to become faithful until death. Do not give up even in the face of death. Do not give up. Do not give in. And then a promise of reward. This Greek word that's translated crown is one of two words used for crown in the New Testament. And this particular word that's translated here as crown is Stephanus. And it means a trophy given to a victorious athlete. Or the crown that was worn by those that were getting married in a marriage ceremony. And you think about that. Think about those two. There is no accidents in Scripture. You think about those two examples. Those two things that this particular word means. One, is that He would give them the crown of the victorious. And two, He would give them the crown that is to be worn by the bride of Christ. One word with two amazing pictures of how God and Jesus look at us, His children, His disciples, when we do not give in. And then there's the final exhortation. Verse 11. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes will not be hurt by the second death. Again, this message is to everyone that follows Jesus Christ as their Savior. He who overcomes. This is a promise to anyone that does that overcomes the threat and presence of persecution. Church, we are promised. Jesus promised us that we would face persecution because no man is greater than his master. And if they hated me and persecute me, they're going to do the exact same thing to you. We here in America are not facing persecution of death. Yes, we are starting to see that people that stand on Christian principles and stand on godly doctrine taught in the Bible, that they are facing financial persecution because their businesses are being shut down. They are going to jail because they refuse to accept the lies of Satan. And they refuse to acknowledge that yes, God created man and woman, period, end of story. And they are being persecuted because of it. 
they are being told to sit down and shut up. But no one to date is faced with death in our country today because of their stance on believing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That is not the same around the world. Every day, there are Christians that are being murdered. There are Christians that are being locked up. There are Christians that are being beheaded because of their belief in Jesus Christ and their faith in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. The promise is to everyone that overcomes. We will not experience the second death, which is hell and the lake of fire. Look at Revelations 20.14. Then death and Haiti were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. When we are truly born again, Jesus' Word, not mine, when we are truly born again and we are made new through the power of the Holy Spirit and it really takes hold, we cannot just walk away. All these people that are saying they are experiencing progressive Christianity and they're walking away from Christianity and they say they're more happy now than they've ever been. They didn't know Jesus Christ. Because as a Christian, we cannot walk away from our Savior and still be happy. And yes, that's a bold statement, but I stand by it because that's Scripture. If we do not give in, we do not bend, we do not bow, and we stay true to Jesus Christ, we are promised that we will never face the second death. And then we will be given a crown of the victor. The crown of the bride. Church, how how I wish, how I pray that I will be found as faithful as this church in Smyrna. I pray that we at Crestview Baptist Church, that God could say the same thing to us as He says to this church. Do not give up. Regardless of what you face, do not give up. Church, we need to hear what Jesus is saying to each one of these churches. And in today's society, we are dealing with the exact sort of thing that this church in Smyrna is dealing with. We cannot water down the truth of the Gospel. We cannot compromise doctrinal facts just to burn that one little pence of incense to make us acceptable. We have to stand true. Now it's the time of invitation. Whatever God is dealing with you about, this is your opportunity to do business with God. Come to the altar and pray. Go to somebody else and pray. Pray right where you are. But the biggest question, if you're here and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are not offered another opportunity. You are not guaranteed another breath. Do not wait. We have several people that would be more than happy to talk to you about how to become a born-again child of God. Don't wait. As we sing this song, this is your opportunity. Would you stand as we sing hymn number 405, Have Faith in God, 405. i
For being here. Uh, do not forget about breakfast this next Saturday, but before that we have Bible study. We'll be picking up in, in chapter 4 of Daniel, um, Wednesday night, 6.30 here in the sanctuary, youth and children down in the youth building. Also continue to pray for Ginger and my daughter Leanne. She is in the early stages of labor where, it, I mean, it's just, we're at the point now where we're just waiting. Um, and with her being her first child, she is miserable. So continue to pray for her and pray for us as we're waiting for that. But also, um, can I get Jackie and Celeste and Ginger to come up here, please? These ladies are going to the jail today at Cleveland County Courthouse, and they're going to be ministering to the ladies that are there. And um, he told me this morning he's not. <laughs> no, he told her this morning he couldn't. So uh, I'm going to ask Larry if he would come up and, and as he dismisses us in prayer from our service today, that he would also pray for these ladies as they minister to these women there today at the jail. Yes. Senior citizens right up here. Okay, right senior here. citizens right up here after after we dismiss. <laughs> I hope not because one of them belongs to me. Father God, let us pray. As we come to you, our Father in heaven, we come to you with, with our humble hearts. And Father, the, the, the war-torn countries that, that, that we, we're faced with that, that are still facing the heavy conflict that we sometimes have a tendency to forget. We, we, we pray, Father, for all those that are making the sacrifice or paying the sacrifice of a war-torn area. Put your hand on these folks, Father God. Bless them, give them the comfort, and keep them to guide us to know that you are their Savior. And for our ladies and, and, and folks that, that are doing the, the tremendous work in, in our, our jails, our, in our communities, Father God, bless them. Give them the right words they, they say, that they can say or will say that may affect or will affect somebody to help lead them and guide them to your, your service, God. We ask that in Jesus Christ's holy name. Amen. Amen.